0: Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Returning to the Earth. So today we're going to read a little bit about, or actually we're going to read a little bit of I Don't Want to Grow Up by Scott Stillman, Life, Liberty, and Happiness Without a Career. And basically it's an ode to any human that feels lost and doesn't know what they want to do and they don't want to work a nine-to-five. And everybody in society says that it's extremely unattainable and you're scared to grow up. And you just want to adventure and live that out until you die. And I've been having a really hard time with trying to explain that to people in my family and other people. That they're just like, we've been saying that for, you know, so long. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. If you don't understand, that, I don't really want to have any further of a conversation with you about it. And when I got back from my travels for six months... um, my some of my family members were like they were like so what's next and I'm like what do you mean what's next and they're like what are you going to do next and I'm like I'm going to work and travel again and they're like oh and you know there's been some forcing of getting a better education on me um for the past few weeks um and I told them like my next plan and they're like well that's what you said last year too and I was like yeah but I'm also a completely different person than I was last year and if I wasn't who the fuck cares, and I didn't say that, but in my head, I was starting to get really pissed off, I was like, why are you sitting here judging me, like, I don't want to have this conversation with you, but I feel like it's pride out of me, every single time, it's like no constructive conversation in society, when it comes to talking, especially older generations, it's just like, what are you doing with your life, oh, that's not good enough, and it's like, I don't want to have a conversation with you, and so I've been learning boundaries on that, that when I do something, that's out of a comfort zone like I just got a tattoo and when I share it with people in my family that are older luckily my parents are a lot more uh, okay with tattoos last year they were not but somehow things changed <laughs> since I got back home and I got one yesterday um, a pretty big one and like obviously when I wear a t-shirt it's going to be right there it's on um it's on my forearm and I, I made a pact in my head. I was like, if when I share this to anybody that I, that I think might not like it, I'm going to share it with them and I'm going to say, before you say anything, I do not want any kind of criticism. I'm sharing this with you because I love you and not because I want to hear any kind of shit back or I'll find a different way of saying it. But that's what I'm going to say. And with anything in my life, I've stopped sharing certain things with certain people because... I don't want to be criticized anymore on it. I just want to live my life and people that understand me understand me and people that don't, I don't owe an explanation to. And so I came home, you know, when I, when I first left, I was just like, I, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a month. And then as soon as I got there, a f- few weeks went by and I'm like, I'm not going to leave for a while. And so I'm not going to, you know, I had a plan on leaving in July to another place um, and then that fell through, and then another place came up, and then some chaos came on. And um, and so when I when I traveled again to another state and lived out there for three months, I was like, yeah, I'm going to continue to do this. I had no plans on coming home, and that's what I keep saying is I generally had no plan on coming home. I even, like, well-informed my family beforehand. I was like, hey, I'm not going to be there for Thanksgiving or Christmas, so it's like, you know, leave me out of the plans. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but don't worry about me. Like, I'm just going to be doing my own thing. And they were like, okay. And so, yeah. And then I ended up making a rash decision. The last place I lived at, I absolutely loved. But it started kind of feeling like not as fun anymore. And there was a week where I was just like struggling with mental health. And um, I kind of made a decision based on kind of out of fear because I didn't have money. But also, I know there was a piece of me that needed to leave because I didn't feel fully, you know, okay with where I was anymore I needed some change um and I could no longer you know I did my best for what I could for my, for my mental health and um and so yeah and then it was also a I was scared of not having enough money and I was in the universe to help provide me with some direction somewhere and I had an emergency tooth issue and so I ended up coming home and going to the dentist two days after I got home and getting a job and you know, I've been working pretty much every day or every other day since then. And um, although I'd much rather be experiencing, I know that the experience will come up next time. And I always don't have to be hopeful. and I always realize that is like, I also feel a lot of shame for when I people ask me and they're like, are you okay? And everybody says like, or how are you? And everybody's like, I'm fine. I'm good. We have learned and built in ourselves for fucking lying all the time. Like, I would talk to people, strangers, from all over. um, And it was a really interesting social experiment that I did for myself. And I would ask somebody, and I wouldn't just experiment asking how they are. But what I would notice is when I would ask somebody how they are, and I knew obviously that they weren't okay, they would say fine or good. And I'd be like, why do we do that as a fucking society? It pisses me off. Like... If somebody's pissed off or mad or sad, I would much rather them honor their emotions. And you know what? I'm, I'm learning that myself. I haven't always been like that either. Um, but now when I somebody asks me how I am and if I'm not doing good, I will be brutally honest. I'm like, I'm doing fucking terrible or I'm not doing great or I'm sad today or I'm existential or I'm nostalgic. You know, I don't just give, oh, I'm good or I'm fine. I give a full drawn out answer and often... People will take, will regret asking how I am because I no longer am hiding behind the I'm fine or I'm good. This is a way of starting conversation, people. And so it's something that I'm learning. But anyhow, yeah, I found this book through um, a few different creators on Instagram and on TikTok. And then some of this guy's work came up on my uh, TikTok feed. And, you know, I'm not endorsing everything to take with you know as like a bible i'm not saying that this guy has all the answers i'm not saying this guy is like the holy grail or super super knowledgeable um my one critique on the book is i read the first uh six pages through um amazon cuz you can only buy off of amazon cause it's such a new book and um he gave kind of like credits to founding fathers or um not even founding fathers but like abraham lincoln and yeah, not founding fathers. I can't think of the names of people, but like Abraham Lincoln, some presidents and stuff like that. But I didn't give any like any credit to indigenous peoples, um, and I don't think that. And he gives a lot of credit to America, um, too. And not to say that America is entirely wrong or bad, or that you know Abraham Lincoln was entirely wrong or bad, um, and not to say that indigenous peoples own or should own every land. I think that land should be here for humans because we, nature and humans are inseparable um, and we are meant to be together in harmony and saying that nature belongs to anybody is allowing our human's ego to kind of overcome us. And I don't think that any part of nature is anybody's property. It doesn't belong to any one person. Um, But this was a place of harmony in indigenous practices before it became a place of capitalism through presidents. And that's my one critique on it out of the six pages that I've already read. Um, Other than that, I wanna read the first two pages um, and I absolutely love the rest that I've read so far and it brings me to tears whenever I read it. Um, So yeah, I'm a little bit overstimulated right now and kind of like overwhelmed. some things shifted like in the past like two hours for me. I've been thinking about a few things in life where I think I have to move on from a few things. And sometimes it's hard to digest. It's like it will come a moment in your life where out of the blue would be like, okay, I have to do something differently. And it was out of the blue and something triggered me. And I was like, you know what? And this is that. And it is coming to a pivot to me. And this is my pivot. So it's what I choose to do with that pivot and it doesn't have to be an, a huge pivot but It can just be a, I no longer want to live like this. I know that I deserve better within relationships and I I observe patterns within myself that I know that I deserve better. I deserve to treat myself better. I deserve to live a more peaceful life and I'm addicted to chaos and noticing all these things that I'm just like, amen. I love that word. Despite it being like a very, very religious thing, it is a very beautiful statement it's like a period it's like amen it's like people say period so anyhow yeah so part one being born the most effective kind of education is that a child should play amongst the lovely things by plato the freaks some believe in life after death i believe in life after birth and if there is heaven it resides here on earth not in some faraway galaxy in our imaginations Or if you are good enough, or if Jesus loves you enough, or if you have enough money, or if you are successful, heaven exists for us all because we were born here. Wow, I just love that whole very first piece. I also love annotating books, so I'm going to do that along the way. Like talking to the text. I grew up in high school having to do it. Um, Like any text that we read, we had to speak to it, like T4ing, which is called talking to the text. Um... And so I love doing that in my everyday books just because I can go back and see the point in time that I was at or I can give books away Um, and people can, people that I give the books to can see my annotations at the place that I was in my mind and they read it. So, yeah. When we came into being for the first time in our mother's womb, we floated in ecstasy. We were born well fed and taken care of. We had everything we needed. Then one day we were born and our eyes opened up to a new and even greater world, albeit scary at first. But once we adjusted, our eyes opened wide with wonder and amazement. Our natural state was one of awe. Everything around us moved with life and sparkling energy. Colors were vivid and the shapes, the sounds overwhelmed. We were, th- we were with the feelings of joy, delight, fear, and curiosity. Everything was so big and exciting and scary and wonderful. Of course we couldn't say a word of this to other humans, so if we tried to communicate through feeling with our eyes, but they just wouldn't understand, and we couldn't understand why. What we wanted so desperately to say, we had no words for and still have no words for because what we were experiencing was pure joy feeling. Okay, hold on. I need to quickly... on my lamp. Cause it is getting to become dark and the only light I have is my window and the sun is setting. So today when we look into a baby's eyes and see that same awe, we got we gasp at its purity. We are born knowing everything there is to know. We just can't say it. When we grow up and learn to speak, we forget what we wanted so desperately to say. Deep inside every one of us exists that same child who knows everything there is to know yet when we get when we tap in we still cannot put into words our vocabulary is so uninvolved existing on an extraordinarily basic level sure we have long exhaustive combinations of letters and figures for animals plants fungi bacteria and so forth but nothing to describe that overwhelming state of awe we are born into, that state we glimpse when we experience a few moments of mindfulness thought. Perhaps while peering into some vast landscape like the Grand Canyon or gazing out over the ocean or while surfing, skateboarding, mountain biking, scuba diving, skydiving, hiking, running, fishing, sailing. We only have one word in this entire English language that even comes close to that word and it is love. Jeez Louise, I fucking love that. I wanna... Hold on. I needed to quickly annotate this part right here. I've been having just like a really weird day today. But I I kind of love it. Um... And that's okay. I need to stop giving labels to today's because it kind of makes me anxious. And I'm kind of just like, well, it's just another day being human. <laughs> like, I, I think of things so grandly and things are incredibly grand. And I'm a deep feeler within that where I'm just like, holy shit, everything is so fucking powerful. And I have such a deep punch in my chest, whether that's good or bad. But I also just need to let things blend in and be like, it's another day being human. And this is exhausting, but incredibly beautiful because I am alive. So anyhow getting back in this book is about choosing love as your life's purpose let me underline that real quick it's about living beyond all el- uh <laughs> well it's about living beyond all else and spending your entire life in that childlike state of awe it's about never growing up so selfish, childish childish <laughs> childish irresponsible well it is this book is about dying and going to heaven and remembering you are there another underlining I've done my fair share of travel and I'm here to tell you there is heaven on earth we have wild blue oceans grandose mountains sparkling deserts dripping rainforests and other worldly landscapes with more awe than you could fit into a lifetime a lifetime this book is about prioritizing experience and living out the rest of your days in a continuous state of wonder curiosity and never-ending adventure so impossible? possible idealistic expensive solely rich for trust <laughs> solely for trust fairy and kids born into a life of wealth and privilege well we're all privileged privileged beyond comprehension to the degree that most of us take for granted our own wealth Let's face it, if you live in today's America, you are more likely to overheat than starve, more likely to commit suicide than be killed, and your chances of being eaten by another animal are, well, for all intents and purposes, zero. We can roam about freely with little restriction or limitation aside from our own. Transportation is cheap. We have buses, trains, Uber, and Lyft. You can walk, bike, hitchhike, or fly. We were born into the world of Airbnb couch surfing hostels and six hundred and forty million acres of public land where you can camp usually for free. by the way, those public lands just happen to be the most beautiful places on earth all of this is, all of this you inherited just by being an American and then he kind kind of goes into um free land and people being in the military and in the army and that's a whole nother conversation that I'm not up for having right in this current time especially on a podcast um and so yeah um and then he goes into thinking Abraham Lincoln Theodore Roosevelt John Muir and other people like that but again I have an entirely different outlook on history and people like that you know so Anyhow, um, not to say good or bad, just a different opinion, and I don't, it's not part of what I want to bring into this podcast, so yeah. Um, so yeah. The real question is, what are you going to do about it? How to show our gratitude by wasting away our precious freedoms, working a job we hate for all for the sake of raising children, to do them the same? Does this sound normal? Well, it should. It's what millions of people do every day. Let's step back for a moment. Someone has to run the show. Someone has to be an accountant, the lawyer, the factory worker, the dentist, the brain surgeon. Someone has to be responsible. Rest assured, plenty will. Most of these fine individuals would never even consider purchasing a book called, I Don't Wanna Grow Up. They're the lucky ones, and luckies in quotation marks. They are the quote-unquote lucky ones. You know who they are. The ones with drive, ambition, and direction. The ones who were born to be analysts, scientists, therapists. The ones who got good grades in school and were focused and determined to pursue careers with excitement and dedication. We need them and pay them handsomely for their services. And this is all very well, fine, and good. But for the rest of us, you know who you are fidgetly in school distracted staring out the window at pretty girls or pretty boys daydreaming about about things you'd rather be doing if you weren't stuck in class or detention or whatever predicament you happen to find yourself trapped in at the moment i'm simply here to enlighten you that not growing up is an option that it's never too late to start the world needs you more than you might think don't think of your desires to never grow up as a distraction but as a calling this isn't about kicking back in your mama's basement playing video games. It's about living the life you were born to live. You know, underline that. This world needs the crazy, quote-unquote, crazy people. Now more than ever before, the ones on the fringes of society who don't quite fit in. Well, my little setup here just fell down. The ones on the fringes of society who don't quite fit in, who don't necessarily subscribe... To the Hollywood version, I'm gonna quickly prop this up. Mm, maybe this will. Yeah, let's see if this will work. My phone's been being really weird lately, so I don't know. Oh, I don't honestly know what's going on, guys. There we go. Every time I lay down, it's just gonna like go black. So hopefully we're good. To the Hollywood version of the American Dream, they are the dreamers, the artists, the musicians, the Adrenaline Junkies, Nomad. I'm in an uh, Adrian Linker and Big Thief phase. And so I saw Adrenaline Junkie as Adrian Lanker. Like my brain just registered that. And if you don't know their music or the Big Thief band, you need to go listen to them and kind of melt into your skin and remember your life. I fucking love their shit. Anyhow, without them, the world would be cold, stale, and miserable place. The world needs freaks. Those who doubt the conventional wisdom, question authority, and continually search for never better ways to live. Freaks change the world. So if you want a safe, predictable life, if you're pursuing an exciting career in a serious field, if you want to raise a family in a house with a big yard and two cars, and work every day for 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, or whatever the new standard for a full-time job is... If your idea of the American dream is working in an office and coming home each night to eat, sleep, and repeat, then by all means, read no further. This book is not for you. We thank you wholeheartedly for your service and dedication. Now, please get back to your work before your boss sees you reading the book called, I Don't Want to Grow Up. The big question. Let's talk for a moment about something serious. Most of us have absolutely no idea what we want to do with our lives. We never have, and we never will. This bothers us terribly, and on a profound level, we feel useless, disconnected, and scattered, unfocused. Whoa. We feel useless, disconnected, scattered, unfocused. If we could just make up our minds about something, about anything, then we could be happy. The fact is, you will never make up your mind. You will never know what you want to be when you grow up for one obvious reason. There is simply too much in this big old world for you to ever settle on one thing. Ugh. Yes, yep more talking to the text. i a gonna start next to that, okay. There's that quote by um or that poem by Sylvia Plath, the Fig tree. Pause this podcast, go look up that poem, read it. I'm gonna wait a second for you to pause this. All right, now that you're back, and you know what I'm talking about um. So one night I was sitting with my farm friends and I, made, I put this into one of my podcast episodes, I think, um, a few episodes back. And basically we came to the conclusion that you don't have to pick one fig, okay? You don't have to sit at the bottom of a tree and have the tree rot and have you starve to death. You can pick three figs right now and enjoy the fuck out of those figs. Eat those figs. Enjoy every single bite. Smell them. Taste them. You know, feel the juice in your mouth slosh around. Enjoy every bit of that fig. And that is each path that you're choosing to take right now. You can take more than one. You have a whole year. You have 365 days to do multiple things. And that is one year of purpose that is one year of change that's one year of growth that's one year of whatever you make out of it okay and so you don't have to sit there at the base of the tree and look up at the tree and say oh my god I have to pick one fig and that has to be my life for the rest of my on average only 77 years and most likely you're 20 or close to 20 or you're in your mid 20s or 30s and so that leaves you mm, approximately 40 to 50 more years to live. Now think about that real nice and hard real quick. Okay, so I want you to think about it. Do you really want to go to college right now? And if the answer is yes, fuck yeah. Go to fucking college and become that fucking scientist because we need you. We need those engineers. We need, like this guy saying, we need all these people that really want to do it, that are really strong will minded and that are really drawn towards these things but if you don't want to don't beat yourself up i've spent so much time beating myself up thinking that i had no purpose in life i've no direction that's been the past like two months of my life i have so much shame for not knowing what i want because everybody in their mom's like well what are you gonna do and i'm like i don't know what i want to do can you guys please stop bothering me with that goddamn question it terrifies me Because I want to do a million and six things. Right now, I have three things that I really want to do. I am beyond blessed because I have three things that I want to do in life. Most likely, you have more than one option for life as well. And that is a privilege in life to have. Um, Like you were saying, we live on the most luscious, beautiful earth. You know, take it all in. Go scream in a field and go on a hike and talk to a bug, you know. You only live goddamn once, guys. So anyhow, jumping back in. In high school, I remember talking about careers with a girl named Susie. She told me she wanted to be an occupational therapist. Occupational therapist, I said. How would you know? I didn't even know what I, I I didn't even know what an occupational therapist was. It baffled me that Susie could know this information at such a young age. And that she wanted to do this for the rest of her life. All of those responsibilities. And wait, whoa. I think I'm thinking about responsibilities. All of the possibilities. Not that there's anything wrong with occupational therapy. I'm sure it's a very rewarding field. If I ever need occupational therapy, I'll be happy that people like Susie dedicated their lives to the profession. But at 16 years of age, all I wanted to do was skateboard. And I liked girls. Skateboarding and girls that was it that i want to skateboard for the rest of my life who knows all i knew is that i wanted to skateboard now and whenever i got tired of skateboarding i wanted to do something else okay guys i really had to pee so i'll be right back and then i'll start our part two all right we're back so getting back into it um on career day i went to see the school's guidance counselor she had this questionnaire for me to fill out and then she asked me some questions to help me decide what I wanted to be when I grew up I filled out the questionnaire and handed it to her she pondered over it for a bit then proceeded with her questions what are you interested in she finally asked I said skateboarding and girls how about academically she scorned I told her I didn't like school very much she said well then Scott what do you want to be when you grow up There it is. The question. The big question. The stress, the anxiety, why should I have to decide? After a long, awkward silence, I finally said, I'd like to travel. To this, she frowned, scribbled something down in her notes, and sent me back to class. Later, when I received my report, my recommended career was bus driver. (laughs) If hates school and loves girls, skateboarding and travel equals bus driver, I had no interest in growing up or in any sort of career at all, but i but we get pressured to decide, so we pick a career just to pick something to fit in and to make our teachers, parents, and elders happy. Then we wake up to that historical alarm his, hysterical alarm clock fifteen years later and wonder, why the hell am I so goddamn miserable?" suburban home I grew up in a suburban whoa whoa sometimes I get kind of ahead of myself and I like try to read in my head faster than my words and I just have to slow down here we are I grew up in suburban Ohio and went to Fairfield Fairfield High I don't know if this was a normal thing but at our high school fights were all the rage it's All anyone ever talked about. Story after story of brawls at parties involving swinging cue sticks and nose exploding like ketchup packets. All told with laughter and applause. Fights were the big school activity. Secret locations spread around the classrooms like wildfires, empty pools, abandoned parks, basketball courts, anything made of concrete where the worst bodily injury could be done. The objective was always the same. Get your opponent on the ground, pin their arms under your knees, and beat them senseless. Fights were filmed, circulated, and played at after-school parties. I remember seeing a videotape of a boy who appeared to be unconscious at the bottom of an empty swimming pool. His arms were pinned as his opponent punched him again and again in the face. At one point, the boy doing the beating stopped to adjust his class ring to better leave his mark before resuming the bloody pounding everyone was watching cheering rewinding back to the glorious part zooming in and watching again there are things in this world i have no place for things i cannot digest i began learning how not to feel to show emotion with suicide you became prey and so this next part is kind of an ode to how men grow up not being able to show emotions um And I kind of do want to get into it because I love talking about this and the awareness of it. And yeah, I love feminism. um, But within any polarity, that's a really big um, polarity. And it's a lot of the time saying, fuck all men. It's the same way of saying ACAB. um, When every group of people, there's good and bad within everything um, and groups of people. And so... I think that there needs to be more awareness around having compassion for men, and we don't need to father anybody, and no man ever needs to mother a woman either. I, I mean, it's a two-way street, just more predominant, and women trying to fix men subconsciously because something's been passed down in genes um, and through generations. But whenever I, I talk to a new guy friend or a romantic partner who happens to be a man, I will tell them how beautiful their softness is and I will give them affirmations based on their emotions and I would much rather them cry than to ever ever yell at me um, and to use rage against me to harm me or to get their point across. I'd much rather them take space um, and you know try to understand themselves and they it's not it's not bad or wrong or disgusting to ask for help, but it's incredibly beautiful to ask for help and to ask somebody to, you know, not process your emotions for you, but to be there to say it's okay and give you affirmations when you're trying to learn how to feel your emotions again. And so, yeah, is it's generationally and in your genes that men don't know how to feel their feelings because they have to relearn and what i'm learning is a lot of men have to relearn that through psychedelic medicines um that's a whole nother conversation but that's something that i'm noticing a lot in um conversations that i have with men and how they've discovered how beautiful it is to feel their feelings again and to process trauma is through psychedelics um so yeah but anyhow let's let's chat about this part of the book or i might not add any more pieces to it unless i feel really cold but i just want to read it so a group of us went to a party hosted by a friend named carl carl was in a different social circle so we didn't know anyone at the party but him at some point while we were chatting it up with some girls carl went off to get more beer before i knew it my friends and i were being dragged outside We were the only skaters at the party so I guess we didn't fit in punches were thrown we fought back and it was a pretty and it was pretty clear that we were outnumbered we had no choice but to run I remember the night so clearly running through the dark woods thinking what the hell am I running from what had we done to anger so many people of all the possible of all the possible feelings empathy surged through my blood for all who had been ostracized for no reason whatsoever but for the clothes they wear the race or gender their religious beliefs or socio- socio-economic class i felt the emotion of a hundred million wounded souls rather than fear i felt rage of, at humanity itself these kids we were running from they weren't considered troublemakers they were popular at school the student teachers loved bragged and labeled most likely to succeed If this was what success looked like, I wanted no part. On my way home from school another day, I witnessed a kid from my neighborhood get beaten senseless in his own front yard. Afterward, in his half-conscious state, they dragged him across the front lawn and forced him to eat dirt from his family's garden. They left him there with a face of blood caked and smeared with black dirt. The reason for the beating? He had long hair. Stumbling to the garage, he retrieved a rifle and began shooting at his fleeting attackers and anyone else in sight for that matter. I don't think he much cared for who got shot. I ran home as fast as I could. He looked like the devil. That day, I believed he was. Fortunately, it was just a BB gun. If he had access to a real gun, perhaps an automatic rifle, I'm not sure how that day would have ended how many would have been killed probably i'd have been shot too i'm not the reason i'm not sure reason was high on his list that particular afternoon we didn't have school shootings back in the days i guess no one had ever heard from them or no one had access to real guns whatever reason they just didn't happen later that year a friend hung himself in the parent in, in his parents backyard Another jumped to his death from the top of a water tower. Things were not well on the suburban front. On Sundays, we'd go to church. Everyone from school would be there with their hands folded, praying for their sins. Nothing made sense anymore. Talking to the adults was not an option. What could they do? Go to the principal? This would never work. You'd be singled out. Word would get around. Everyone would know. You couldn't go to class. Your whole family would have to move your parents would have to uproot and get new jobs and besides i liked my friends i liked my girlfriend i liked skateboarding why should i let them ruin my life my world became more and more unrecognizable i felt like an alien and wanted no part i began to understand why kids commit suicide especially at young irrepressible ages but never once did i consider it because there was skateboarding always skateboarding well my voice is starting to like Leave. I'm going to have fun, even if I have to be miserable doing it by Lands Mountain. Skate or die. My first love was concrete, banks, curbs, parking blocks, handrails, empty swimming pools, loading docks, parking garages. With the advent of skateboarding, our stale suburban world morphed into limitless potential for creativity and fun. It changed the way I looked at things. I began to see the world as a playground. My skater friends were a lively animated bunch cut from a different world. A rare breed never considered for mass production. They had green hair, mohawks, wore trench coats to school. Their looks said fuck you to society and I, well, it says I loved it, but I'm going to say I fucking loved it. These were my people. We listened to punk bands like Minor Threat, Suicide Suicidal tendencies and the descendants. My first concert was seven seconds. I'd never seen a mosh pit, never even heard of one. At school, if I bumped into something wrong, it was probable because, for a first sight here, complete strangers were pushing, shoving, slamming against one another, and no one cared. No one even got offended. If you stumbled and fell, tattooed hands and spiked wristbands reached out from the abyss and pulled you back into the pit. We flowed together like a single organism, a swirling tornado. It was love distinguishes chaos. Wow, I really love that. We flowed together like a single organism, swirling tornado. It was love distinguishes chaos. The mosh pit was an outlet for all the rage in the world. It was therapy and nothing had ever felt so healthy, so pure, so free. From the outside, it looked insane, but on the inside, it was peaceful, spiritual, and healing. We were looking for answers and a place of belonging. The punk scene was anarchy and anti-establishment, but never violence. Everyone was quite considered with this, that you're there for the right reason. There was no room for egos. This was a different scene. Behind the veil, there was something even deeper that attracted me to the strange counterculture, the spirit of creativity, a nonconformist ethos, and a DIY attitude. These people were thinking for themselves. Punk bands created their own record labels with $5 concert tickets and $10 CD sold directly from the band. A business model specifically designed to stick it to the man. We spent all of our free time skating. My friends and I would take the city bus and travel to different locations each day. Secret skate spots with exotic names like Piggly Wiggly, D.O., Banks Mount Healthy Ditch. Or we, I thought I had a birthday. Or we'd head downtown to an endless wonderland of rails and grinders and slopes and sliders and drops and transitions. To the masses, these were lifeless urban landscapes, but we saw only opportunity. We were like words. We were like kids in a candy store, and everything was free. No one had any money i remember going into burger king and seven of us ordering one small coke free refills we'd share the same cup passing it around until our stomachs were swollen like with carbonation and corn syrup then we'd take to the city streets high in sugar adrenaline freedom and fun we'd get chased by the cops there was no official skate parks in ohio so street skateboarding was all we had apparently skateboarding was illegal but I think this only added to the fun and the excitement. I remember sitting in the back of a cop car, three of us laughing, smirking, telling jokes. they threatened to take us to jail but there was really nothing they could do. After all, we were 15. We weren't on drugs or starting fights. We were playing on wooden boards with our wheels. Our only crime, skateboarding. In our junior year, my friends and I decided to build a ramp. Street skating was a blast, but sometimes you just wanted to skate without getting hassled. Building a half pipe in our backyard seemed like a pretty good idea, but since none of us had any money, funding would certainly be a challenge. We began skipping lunches, mowing lawns, shoveling snow, whatever it took to buy plywood screws, masonite, and steel, steel coping. We worked together as a team making hardware store runs as needed working incessantly until our ramp was complete no one ever talked about school or grades or what we wanted to be when we grew up all we talked about was skating and girls and of course always girls most of all we were about having fun in the pure sense of the world unless it was raining or snowing we skateboarded when we couldn't skate we watched skate videos the search for animal chin shackle me not hocus pocus and streets of fire rewinding the fast forwarding of all the tricks we wanted to learn zooming in watching again the soundtracks to these vivid to these vi- videos were incredible pure adrenaline it was it actually sounded like skateboarding not the music itself but the way it made you feel these bands they weren't being played on the radio you had to seek them out. I remember going into the record store and asking the clerk for the Adolescents, JFA, Higher House, and the Agent Orange. <clears throat> they had no idea what we were talking about. The only record stores we had were in the mall. Camelot, Sam, Goody, Coconuts. We'd have to order our cassettes from the back of the skateboard magazines or beg our parents to drive us downtown to seek out independent shops. I was becoming my own person. My life was no longer spoon-fed. This was my journey, and I could make it whatever I wanted. This gave me immense freedom as I started to question everything. Mountains. When December storms covered the concrete with snow, some of us picked up snowboarding. Early snowboarding consisted of going to the golf course and glissanding down the snowy hills on old skateboard decks until we crashed into the snow or an obstacle or each other. Real boards were hard to find in the Midwest, but when our local skate shop finally got hold of one, I quickly snatched it up. My first snowboard was a Sims blade purchased with money. I'd made busing tables at our local pizza joint. Snowboarding was new and our only ski resort, Perfect North Slopes, didn't know what to do with us. We may have looked like a shit show in our jeans, flannel t-shirts and rubber work boots. Skiing has always been a bit of a gentleman's sport with things like style and etiquette to be considered. Here we were, screaming down the mountain, aiming for anything that resembled a jump. There wasn't skiing, it was skateboarding on snow. We got yelled at, chased down by the ski patrol, and eventually outlawed from the resort, which was certainly a setback. But we had bigger dreams. When our high school ski club announced the trip to the winter park, my friends and I signed up immensely. Aw, one of my friends just said... I love when people that I haven't talked to in a while, send me pictures or something, and they're like, this reminded me of you. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're thinking of me. Like, I feel so loved. Even if, like, I haven't talked to them in, like, ages, I'm like, wow. That always just makes me smile. This was our big chance to finally shred some real Colorado snow, surf some real mountains. One of the most defining moments of my life occurred on that trip as our Amtrak train rumbled west through the Rockies. Whoa, guys, I skipped a whole part. When our high school ski club announced a trip to Winter Park, my friends and I signed up immediately. Okay, now getting back to the Colorado part. As our Amtrak train rumbled west through the Rockies, I'd fallen asleep listening to the Cure's Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me album. When I opened my eyes and gazed out the window, I was exposed to a world I thought existed only in my dreams. There was nothing but Nothing. No cities, no houses, no roads, no electrical wires, no concrete, no cars, no buses, no strip malls, no industrial, (laughs) industrial parks, no warehouses, no landfills, just mountains, an endless sea of snowy peaks racing past my window that seemed to go on forever. And I fell in love, head over heels in love for the first time with the Rocky Mountains as Robert Smith sang the words, how beautiful you are. It snowed every night on that trip, making it a huge success, and I knew from that moment forward that Colorado would be my future home. This author now lives in Colorado, literally where I was basically living when I was in Colorado, so I was like, oh my god, this is also like a full circle moment. It's beautiful. I need to adjust. Like, you know when you like sit for too long and your limbs start like aching in that like position, like when you try to like straighten your back? Yeah, I don't like that feeling. Okay, college. High school came and went, and my urge grew stronger to get the hell out of Ohio, but my love for my girlfriend, Valerie, was also growing, and she had yet another full year of high school left. Pressure was on to go to college, but I still had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. College seemed to be what everyone else was doing, so I started to consider it. My best friend was going to Eastern Kentucky University, which was only two hours away. It wasn't Colorado, but at least it was out of Ohio. Tuition seemed reasonable, so I figured what the hell. I had nothing else going on and I could still visit Valerie on the weekends. EKU proved me to the perfect stepping stone towards mountain life. My roommate and I plastered our dorm room wall to wall with skating, with skiing and snowboarding posters of the Rocky Mountains and we spent all of our free time hiking in the surrounding national forests. My world was shifting from concrete to mountains I majored in marketing, the major you pick when you have no clue what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, literally. I have met so many marketing people, and I'm like, do you really want to go to, like, I'm like whispering to them, I'm like, do you really want to do this? And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, okay. Kind of situation, because, yeah. And photography, because taking pictures is fun. My marketing classes were horrifically dull. Big surprise, so I skipped most of those. Photography, however, proved to be quite stimulating. I excelled retrieving straight A's in all my projects, but what the hell was I going to do with photography? I had no idea. The following year Valerie joined me at Eastern and at Eastern and we spent all of our free time hiking and camping in the nearby mountains. It was a wonderful time of freedom, love, and independence. We got jobs at Applebee's, Valerie was a hostess, me as a server, life was one big party. Everyone at the restaurant became friends and work was a cons- was a constant roll of laughter and fun. Each night when our shifts ended, we'd claim we we'd claim a high top near the bar while the bartender sent free pitchers and appetizers our way. I remember thinking I could live like this forever. Life was so easy. My rent split with two other roommates it was $150 a month. We lived downtown so we could walk to everything, and because we earned free shift meals at work, spent almost no money on food. My life cost practically nothing, and we were having a blast. During that time, I became good friends with a guy named Marty. Marty was always up for adventure. Any day, any hour, it didn't seem to matter. He'd simply nod, grab his sleeping bag, and we'd go into the great unknown. Our outings were spur of the moment, often leaving after dark, driving through the deep woods in this rusty pickup towards some secluded camp on the hills. Marty was a Kentucky native, and it showed. His camping supplies consisted of a bunch of old blankets, an army surplus sleeping bag, and his trusty rifle. we would be driving down some dusty old country road, having a casual conversation, when suddenly he'd slam on the brakes, pull out his rifle, and start shooting out the window. I'd be freaking out hysterically trying to figure out what the hell was going on when he'd calmly look over and say groundhog and then drive on. <laughs> Marty is one of the kindest individuals I've ever known, but he hates groundhogs. I think this is in his southern blood. When we finally arrived at camp, we'd build a fire and then shoot the shit until we until the wee hours of the night. Our conversations were largely philosophical. Marty turned me on to books by Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, David Schwartz, and Cloud Bristol. My family knows a lot about Dale Carnegie. Like, anything philosophical that ever comes out of like any of my family members' mouths is always about Dale Carnegie. It's really interesting that this guy also knows and had very many conversations about Dale Carnegie. Um, We agreed that college was teaching us nothing, so we created our own education. Books like The Magic of Believing and Think and Grow Grow Rich taught us that life was full of possibility, and you could do anything you wanted with the right mindset. While everyone else was studying economics, we were studying life. (laughs) We'd go on long trips for days at a time. On one such occasion, Marty had researched a bunch of old covered bridges he was interested in exploring. He put marks all over our locations on a Texaco road map and wanted to go seek them out. Marty loved old bridges, old antique shops, old barns, old river ferries, anything with this story. I proposed the project to my photography professor and he gave me the green light excusing me from class for the remainder of the week. We set off at once to Marty's pickup loaded with canned goods and camping supplies, plus my photography equipment, which consisted of an old Canon AT1 camera, 50 millimeter lens, tripod, and several rolls of black and white film. We camped under the bridges, waking early to capture the magical unfolding of the morning light. Marty would poke around at the old bridges while I shot roll after roll, trying to capture the mystery and the essence of the dusty road, the creaking wood, and the misty streams running below. This guy sounds like he was living his goddamn fucking life. I love the words goddamn and fuck right now, by the way. They're like... I don't know. I like the way they roll off my tongue and the way they add emphasis to sentences. (laughs) Covered bridges are a dying breed built in the 1800s. They were covered to protect the trusses and decks from snow and rain, preventing decay from the advent of concrete and steel. These rustic old bridges have become obsolete. Soon they'll be gone. They stand like artifacts, gateways to a forgotten time. Uh, so at the farm that I was last working at, there was a old railroad that we had to walk over to get to this swimming hole, which was kind of a secret in the small town that I was in. And it was it was incredible. It was like a movie scene within itself it was like a coming of age movie and that's what this reminds me of we stopped in a small farm towns along the way for sandwiches and milkshakes. poke milk smoke <laughs> poking around old their shops for antiques and forgotten treasures one evening we had trouble finding a place to camp so we turned into an old church knocked on the door and asked if we could camp in the front yard they invited us to sleep inside but we insisted that we preferred sleeping under the stars <laughs> oh my god that's so cute after just eating sandwiches and milkshakes in a small town and then sleeping under the stars with your buddy jeez. um while setting up the tent a lady from the church brought us out a hot pan of lasagna I began to understand that most people are good News only reports the bad, and when I open my mind to all the grace and the beauty of the world, magic can happen anywhere. Wow, I also really love that. I, guys, I refuse to watch the news. Like, I utterly refuse to watch the news, because all we do is report the fucking bad shit. Like, there's a million and ten beautiful things going on, but you never hear about them, and it is, puts me into such a depressive funk when all I do is hear the bad, um it's not even like spreading awareness it's just like sitting there and just like setting and stewing and the world is going to shit the world is going to shit but yeah if it's all you're putting your energy into of course you think the world is going to shit because that's your whole world it's like that quote like um birds bo- born in the cage don't know that they can fly and when you when you're raised in a house it's burning you think the whole world is on fire And that's the same way as when you raise on the news, you think the whole world is a bad place. And you go to school and you're already freaking out about not wanting to do school and freaking out about your life. And then you're watching the news and, you know, you have to do homework. And it's just a repeating phase of just, like, dread. And no wonder people are depressed. Like, society's fucking broke. Anyhow, the trip was a great success, not just because the photography project was well-received, but simply because we had fun. Fun was the goal. Fun has always been the goal because he who has the most fun wins. If I wasn't camping with Marty, I was backpacking with Valerie at the Red River Gorge or the Big Mouth Fork or the Big South Fork. We weren't falling in love more. Well, we were falling in love more and more each day. We'd make love with the sunrise, fix coffee on the porch and backpack every week. Are you shitting me? Guys. This man is living the life, or lived the life. Our apartment was on top of an Apollos pizza and we could walk downstairs anytime we wanted to shoot pool or have a couple beers by the jukebox. Old town Richmond was full of history and charm. We'd stroll through town poking around old buildings and in and out of antique shops. The town was small enough that we knew everyone at the local restaurants and bars. Life was good, but school was low on priority list. Tuition began to seem like a big waste of money, so we quit college altogether. We could have stayed in Richmond forever. We were happy there, but we had bigger dreams. We wanted to move out west, but needed to save some money first. So we packed up our belongings, headed back north to Ohio, and got married. And we started looking for work. Part 2 learning to live every child is an artist the problem is how we remain an artist once we grow up Picasso so I'm gonna end this episode here and I'm gonna come back and read part two the next time I feel of making a podcast episode um which maybe will be tomorrow because uh yeah uh I'm really curious about this book and Anyhow, welcome to a little read-aloud. I prefer reading to people. Like, my favorite activity is curling up with somebody I love on a couch with its friend or more than a friend and sipping tea and reading to one another under soft orange and yellow light. And it's just, like, it's the most simple pleasure of life of just reading text that we enjoy and reading it together. So, I hope you enjoy and I deeply, deeply appreciate your existence, whether that's, whether it's a big existence or a small one, it's still, you're existing and it's, and you're living and it's tremendous and I give you props for going through the, the motions every single day, so yeah, bye-bye.